it's really hard to jump because the thing that made you a good clinician does not make you a good leader. You don't have to be working five, six, seven days a week. You can also be multidimensional. You can own a consulting firm, own a business, be an associate at a different office. You have the options to do so many different things. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I am the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can help grow your practices the way that you want. And today I got a doozy for you. Dr. Jessica, who's also a consultant, is on our show today. And we're going to cover some things around why dentistry has this pervasive feeling of perfectionism that's all around and really creates toxic environments. And she's also going to share with you how making cookies led to her getting into the dental industry, which I it was a very uh, cool story. And then also, we're going to talk about how she's building her business and actually living the life that she wants to live. And she's helping other people do the same. You're not going to want to miss this one. Stay tuned. All right. So, Dr. Jessica, why don't you tell us how you got into the dental industry? It's so fascinating because... And when I trace it all the way back, I decided at the age of 14 that I was going to become a dentist. Now, my aunt is a general dentist, and I had these moments in time where when I had my braces in grade seven and grade eight, she would take the day off of work. My dad would drop me off at her place, and then we she would take me to see my orthodontist. We'd come home, and then we would have her friends over, and we'd bake cookies all day. And what I loved about it is the entrepreneurship that comes with having flexibility around controlling Uh. where your time gets spent. Now, fast forward, I then grade nine for Take Your Kids to School Day in Canada, ended up going to my aunt's office and then started working at front desk and in sterilization. And so I was like, it confirmed that, okay, the decision that I made back even when we were baking cookies is exactly why I chose to step into this profession. Got it. Yeah. It's so fascinating. So I ask everybody who comes on the show that question and the dentist all have almost the exact same answer. It's like a family member or someone they knew. And then it was like, I've heard every variation of it. Like I noticed that my uncle always played golf every Friday and, (laughs) or I I noticed how the, they had the freedom to do what they wanted on, you know, on this four day work week or whatever. Right. And, or they were always home at night with, with their family. And my dad wasn't and or my mom wasn't or whatever right and so that's fascinating and then on the flip side if you're not a dentist or a hygienist everybody else is in the dental industry by accident like almost every single person that i've ever talked to is like well i was kind of doing this job and then i got this job offer to do a similar thing but in the dental industry and then now i'm here that's how i got here so it's it's just so fascinating and it's such a cool industry uh because of that because the dentists are really the heart of the industry obviously and then everything kind of orbits around them. So now you're not you're no longer practicing, right? You're not in the chair anymore? So I actually practiced two days a week at this point in time. Okay. It was something where I'd stepped away. So when I moved across the country a couple of years ago, I took some time away from dentistry, started to build up my consulting firm. And then I had a couple of friends who went on maternity leave and I was like, hey, not a problem. I'll cover your mat leaves. And During that time, I noticed that I was not ready to fully step away from dentistry. There's Uh, a part of my brain that gets activated when I'm doing surgeries and clinical dentistry that I don't necessarily get to jump into when I'm doing my consulting. 
And so I need that aspect. And so for at yeah. least the next few years, and who knows, we always make plans and then things <laughs> end up coming up. Of so we get to yep. change and adjust our sales based on what's going on. But for right now, it was one of those moments in time where I couldn't step away from clinical dentistry. Sorry to disrupt the show, but I got something crazy to share with you. We are attempting to connect with all of our listeners. We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and we want to meet you in person. We have four events coming up, and I want to give you a discount code that you can use for the next week to save $300 off your ticket. The discount code is Gary Bird, and the link is going to be just down below. You can also go to smcnational.com forward slash events. I hope to connect with you in person and help each other grow our businesses. Can't wait to see you soon. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of doctors about that because there's there's a couple of components of dentistry that it, that's interesting. So you have first you get good at the thing, which is dentistry, right? Yeah. And this is true for all entrepreneurs, I think, is like, so for me, it was like, I learned how to run like Google ads or, you know what I mean? Do different kinds of marketing. And then you get really good at that. But then you have to become an entrepreneur and figure out how to actually make a business out of that and actually yeah. make it profitable and not just a job. But then there's this next phase of like leadership. Uh -huh. And it's really hard to jump because the thing that made you a good clinician does not make you a good leader. Right. It's like a different, it's a different muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it, and then so you're, you have a lot of doctors who want, they really want to be great dentists, but they also want to be an amazing CEO or amazing uh -huh. leader in their business. And it's really hard to do both. Right. Like it's, it's, it's super tough. So for you, what was that like motivation that, you know what? I don't want to be in the chair all the time. And I want to start making that transition. What what happened to you? Yeah. So I specialize in treating cancer patients. So I was actually a full-time staff dentist and education director out of Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto, Ontario. And right. what I had started to do was lecture to the medical and dental community on how to improve patients' quality of life post-cancer therapy. And mm. at the exact same time I was doing that, I was actually diagnosed with clinical depression, a generalized anxiety disorder, and what I now know to be is my third burnout. And I didn't understand how dentists could become so depressed because when I decided at 14 to become a dentist and I told people it, people were like, don't dentists have one of the highest suicide rates? And right. so it was one of those moments in time where I had this kind of revelation where I'm like, I'm teaching others how to improve others' quality of life why don't I sprinkle in ways for them to be able to improve their own quality of life? And so I started to do that by teaching imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and burnout. And then what I started to notice is I had dentists come up to me and say, hey, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Like, thank you so much. And from there, it just started to blossom. And what I didn't realize I had done since high school was I had already stepped into leadership programs. Like, even back in high school, one of my coaches had said, hey, we want you going on these retreats for building leadership. And then through university and undergrad and then dental school, I was so heavily involved from student organizations and beyond. And then once I graduated on the education advisory committees from a provincial standpoint and nationally that I was already kind of building the consulting firm in the background without even knowing. And then when it got to that point where now this just doesn't reside in dentistry. This expands cross boundaries across all different professions. That gave me the opportunity to start to build out the consulting firm and 
teach not just about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and burnout, but teach leadership skills and how to improve workplace culture by stepping away from fear-based and shame-based leadership. And not a lot of people, exactly where you said, where you become good at that one thing, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into that managerial position or into that leadership position. But those same skills don't necessarily transfer over because you do have to step into a very different mindset. It's the same thing that happens in dentistry when all of a sudden you go from associate and you're the friend in the office to now becoming the boss and the owner, and you have to shift into a different transition. And that looks different for everyone. And it's hard for certain people to be able to make that shift, to give yourself those boundaries, and to know that you can leave work at work. And I know in my first few years, like I look back and I share that story about when I was 14. But a couple of years ago, if you had asked me, hey, was dentistry the right choice? I would have said no, because dentistry has changed immensely. There were some months where I was working six, seven days a week. And I was like, where is this idea that I had built in my head about what dentistry was supposed to be? And it never turned out to that. And it was only actually last week when I finally stepped into that moment in time where I took my niece, who's nine months old, to daycare. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. This is exactly why I stepped into this aspect, but we have to give ourselves the permission to recognize you don't have to be working five, six, seven days a week. You can also be multidimensional. You can own a consulting firm, own a business, be an associate at a different office. You have the options to do so many different things. You don't have to feel like you're stuck in one specific box. I love that. There's so much to unpack there. Um, So instead of trying to go through each point, Let's focus on with the clients that you're working with okay. and also from your perspective, because you are in essence your own client, right? It sounds like you kind of took yourself through this, maybe a longer journey for yourself, but then you were able to package it up for other people and help them as well. What do you think like the number one thing that people are dealing with right now from the dentist specifically that you're helping? What's the roadblocks that they're bumping into that you're helping them through? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of changes that are happening within dentistry and across the working world in regards to buzzwords like the great resignation and quiet quitting and not enough jobs or not enough people to be filling jobs. And it's really giving the dental field the opportunity to reevaluate how they want to be actually working. So something that I that tends to stand up on the high list is when people come to me, they they usually say, well, I want to be more happy and less stressed. And when I ask them, okay, well, what does that look like? They don't have an answer because they've been stuck in that one specific box for so long. So they don't know how to become less stressed because it's never going to be stress-free. And the moment that we start to realize that, that it's not going to be stress-free, that stress is not a bad thing. It's just how we sit at that level of stress for an extended period of time, which is bad. And then starting to define what our actual happiness looks like. And that comes down to how we decide to live a specific dental lifestyle. How many days of work do you want to be actually working? What are the procedures you want to be doing? How big do you want your team actually to be? Not from the business consulting aspect of it, where it's just like, well, this is how an office should be run. No, no. How do you actually want to run your office? What does that look like? Do you have a plan that you want to step away and maybe travel the world for a couple months at a time and you have to bring in someone from a locum or you hire an associate? And we don't actually ask ourselves those important questions because it's really easy to just 
turn into a lawyer and look at billable hours. And when we look at billable hours, then we forget that the business side of it actually has to happen. Our growth has to happen behind the scenes as well, not when you're necessarily treating the patient. So within dentistry and across the world, we're seeing this change in the way that we want to be working. And as we see this shift, we have to give ourselves the permission to ask ourselves the hard question. Well, not what anyone else is doing and how they're practicing. How yeah. do I want to practice? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's so interesting and I don't know what it is. And maybe it's true for other industries and I just haven't spent enough time in them. Yeah. But the idea of the fixed mindset and dentistry is so it's so pervasive. Yeah. So we'll we'll go to work with somebody to help them get new patients, right? And they're like, but this guy down here gets 200 new patients a month. And we're like, okay, so no big deal. Like we can get you your new patients and they can have a thousand and you could have a thousand and it wouldn't, it doesn't, like them winning doesn't mean you losing. Do you yeah. understand that? Yeah. And they're like, no, don't ever work with them. Don't talk to them. Don't. And I'm like, you don't, you're not getting it. Like, because they're winning doesn't mean that you're losing. Yeah. Like you can both win. There's plenty of new patients and there's plenty of opportunities. And it's just it, 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 the the lack of abundance mindset is is per, like it's pervasive. Like <laughs> office by office, like it's it's really really big. I've never been able to figure out quite why. Some people have presented to me that it's drilled into the dentistry, so no pun intended, at dental school, <laughs> and where it's like, hey. You're competing against these other dentists and and then and then you go out in the real world and then they don't dentists don't talk to each other. They just like tear each other down on like Facebook posts and stuff like what? that. Like but basically like mom groups, but for dentistry <laughs> and where it's just like complete toxicity and what? just like everybody's ripping everybody apart. So then you don't want to talk to each other because you're like scared of what people are gonna say. So then you form this like fake world in your head. That's my and again, I'm not a dentist. I've never even worked in a dental office. No. But we work with hundreds of group practices. I talk to dentists every single day of my life. Yeah. And so that's my perspective. What are your thoughts on that of why that is? So that's a piece of it. And so I've actually stumbled down the research rabbit hole because I wanted to know that question. Because when I left dental school, now I went to Boston University. I had a great time, great group of individuals. Um, I never felt like it was cutthroat. And then when I moved back to... Ontario, I felt like it was extremely cutthroat. And that's when I started to question, I'm like, wow, I don't have anyone to lean on. And I'm trying to build a new community having moved back to the province. And now what am I going to do? So you hit two key components, which the culture aspect gets driven into it in dental school, but it actually even happens before dental school. And then the component of staying in your own silo. And now you become so independent that you don't know who you can trust. And now let's add on confidence concerns as well as perfectionist tendencies. Uh-huh. So in the dental world, there is this aim for perfection and social yes. media allows that to happen. And then when you go to conferences, you see perfection up on the screens and you're like, why the heck doesn't my den- dentistry look like that as well? And so we need to have more conversations around the failures that happen so then we know how to recover from them. We need to have more of the conversations around difficult conversations when a patient yells at you or a patient says something or a staff member has a snide comment or you receive a Google review. Because we live in this perfectionist ideal, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to allow for us to 
manage uncertainty when it presents itself. So having a perfectionist mindset means you're trying to plan everything that could go wrong because if you plan, then certain. That is one of the reasons why people pride themselves on being perfectionists because then they aim for the outcome of being certain. But the reality of it is there is no such thing as perfection because your perfection and my perfection are two different things. So now you have the perfectionist mindset, which eats away at confidence over a period of time, especially when, let's say, social media knows your algorithm and all you see are dental cases all the time, right? So like That's so depressing. It's that, so sounds, depressing. that sounds like a horrible life to right? live. And so if that is all you see are the before and after photos of clinical cases and that you end up down that rabbit hole of, oh my goodness, my dentistry sucks. Now you have confidence issues, but you still have a perfectionist mindset. You're all alone and isolated because you don't know who you can trust because if you did bring something up, you have fear of being judged. And that all stems even before dental school. Where before dental school? Well, you had to be a top achiever to be able to get into dental school. Then, yeah. so you raise that bar for yourself. Once you got into dental school, that bar was raised and everyone's at that exact same top achiever bar. So now that bar gets raised even more. If you consistently put your happiness and your success over that cognitive horizon, over that bar, you never actually get there because you never get to enjoy what is happening at this moment in time. And so that culmination of being multidimensional within dentistry on what is happening and where that scarcity mindset comes from, we're doing it to ourselves. And so we have to give ourselves a permission to trial and error with certain individuals because I've been burned. We've all at times have been burned with certain people, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people out there. Case in point, when I was diagnosed with depression, I didn't feel comfortable sharing it within the dental community because I didn't feel strong enough. I felt people were going to perceive me as being weak. And being a young female within the dental profession at the hospital center, I was like, what are these people going to think of me? And so I tried to kind of scatter some notes to people in the sense of, hey, so I have a friend who's like really managing this right now and they're struggling And the comment that I got was, well, doesn't sound like they're strong enough to be in dentistry. And if that's what we're hearing, and I was, quote unquote, asking for a friend at that point in time, but it was me. It was me. Right. (laughs) That's not the support. That's not the support that I needed. And so I retreated into my shell. And so we need to start having these conversations, stop tearing each other down and give ourselves a permission to say, you know what? Life is hard. And how do we start to manage it, not on our own, but with community. Yeah, I love that. So perfectionism, I actually have a question around this because I haven't been able to nail this down with dentists. But before I go into that, I just want to share kind of my perspective of it. It's one time I, I, we, a dental office sent us some before and afters and they said, uh, the dentist didn't send it to us, but someone from their team. And because they had a process when the treatment's done, you send it over, you put it on the website, right? So we put it on the website for them. So these look great. Amazing. Dennis calls me freaking out. How did you, how dare you put those on our website? And I was like, your team sent them to me. They look great. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, the, this is that. And you know, the gap is it. And this is, this is horrible work. And I was like, well, no one in the world can tell that except for you and your dental friends. Right. Like, and he's like, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. I don't want them thinking, you know, and I'm just like, so you have this level of perfectionism that literally 
only other dentists can see, but the patients don't see it. Like patients can't see, like, are my teeth straight and white? Like that's what they're looking at, right? Like it's so just a simple thing. And so there's this level of perfectionism from a clinical standpoint, but then we often forget that it, that part doesn't matter as much to the patient. They want to know that you listened to them and that you smiled at them and you told them a funny joke, you know what I mean? Or whatever, right? That they had a good interaction with you. And then you have this huge margin of error that you can have on the clinical side and the patient will still be ecstatic as long as they can eat and their teeth feel good, right? Like they'll be really, really happy. So I feel like there's a lot of room there. But here's my question for you on, on this front is, does dentistry create perfectionism? Like, does it, does it bring the best out, like the worst out of people because of, of the industry? Or do people tend to go towards dentistry because they are perfectionists? And the reason I ask this is that I feel like dentistry is like one of the few medical procedures that you can do, uh, the, the different parts of, uh, of, of dentistry, where you can have a perfect smile and everything else in your body can be dying. And you can create still like, nope, look, at, I know this person's dying and they have every single thing wrong with them, but look at their smile. It's literally perfect. And you can control, there's so much you can control. Wow. I don't know if you can do that in a lot of the other uh, like you can't do plastic surgery on people if they have poor health, you know what I mean? Or you can't, you can't, there's only so much you can do with the eyes and they're definitely heart and brain and, you know, all these other parts of your body. You, it's only so much you can do, but with dentistry, you can go a long way. So what are your thoughts on that? Is it, is it the industry creating that because of the nature of the industry or people are perfectionists drawn towards dental, uh, the dental industry? I think it, I think you have two different types of people who come into it. Some who have a perfectionist mindset, some who don't necessarily, but then it gets amplified once you're there. And then based on who your instructors are, based on the schooling system and who you end up surrounding yourself with and what becomes a priority in your life, like if all if, if all you can see are if your cases are perfect, but you forget to hang out with your kids and your family and find time for yourself, then that's all you get fixated on. So I think it can get amplified over a period of time based on your surroundings and based on part of your personality to begin with. And then you have to learn how to essentially let things go and understand that the perfection that gets defined is actually the patient's perfection. It's not your Um, perfection, right? And I think that when we take that shift off of ourselves, it's setting the expectations with the patient so then they understand that they can define what their perfection is. And you can then set them up to say, okay, is this reasonable? Is this not reasonable? So going back to does A come before B or B come before A, I think it's a combination of what ends up transpiring and who ends up teaching you in the environment that you get put into. Because you can have PTSD leaving from a toxic residency or a toxic school environment, and that can take years to unravel. There was some research that came out that showed, and this is specifically within uh, business and corporate, is that it can take upwards of 22 months to recover from a toxic workplace environment. Because you have to start to unravel what habits you put in place to be able to get to that point. What lifestyle that you kind of bended to make work to be able to get to that point. You have to learn how to trust yourself again. And Uh, that's where that perfectionist 
mentality. So let's say you're a high achiever with a loud inner critic. So that inner voice who tears you down with perfectionist tendencies and people pleasing tendencies, then no matter what you do, you're never going to be good enough for yourself. Yeah. And that's really hard to sit in. That is really, yeah, it's tough. This is, this has been really, really helpful. If someone wants to reach out to you and speak to you about what you do and how you help people, uh, what's the best, or even if they just have questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So they can send me a message to jm at drjessicametcalf.com. And if you want to take a look at essentially what I'm helping the world with now at this point in time, you can check out www.drjessicametcalf.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This is a great conversation and you did, you articulated the points really well. Probably one of the best that I've ever talked to. I asked these questions over and over and over again. So great job on that. Thank you so much.